Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio. Your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 18 and our 2023 NHL Draft Review for the Atlantic Division. Powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. And Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. We are going to start with the Montreal Canadiens first. <clears throat> and uh, right off the top, we'll talk about their fifth overall pick in David Reinbacher. Uh, felt kind of bad for the kid based on all the nonsense that was thrown on him in social media. Like, people, settle down. He's just a kid, you know. And most of them don't know these players anyway, so I don't know what you're getting mad at. Uh, you know, maybe get mad in five years if it doesn't work out. But no point in getting mad now, to be honest. Um, thoughts on him as a player and projecting moving forward. Um, you know, there's some raw ability in him that has to continue to move forward. I have projected him as number three defenseman, which is why I never, I didn't have him this high. Obviously Montreal thinks that he's going to be a number two. Otherwise there's no reason to draft him that high, even with scarcity of defensemen in this draft class. So thoughts on him as a player. I'll just start off by saying, you know, fans have every right to, uh, to be angry at organizations that they choose, but just don't take it out on the kid. It wasn't his fault. He was drafted where he was That's yeah. on him. All right. So, um, the this this is the situation. You know, a lot of people got extremely hyped for Matthew Mitchkov, and it's extremely ironic that Montreal is the most hyped for him because Montreal already has a player that's similar to Matthew Mitchkov in Cole Caulfield. Uh, very rarely do you see organizations look to draft two uh, five, ten, and under uh, shoot first wingers and and have them in the top six of a team. It, I know that Jonathan Marchessault exists. I know that. Probably one of the reasons people are, are looking at it, saying, why can't you have two Jonathan March assaults? Uh, you know, he obviously stood out and played remarkably well in the playoffs and helped Vegas win a cup. But, uh, it, you know, obviously Montreal looked at Rhinebacker as, as a bona fide top four defenseman and thought of him as a very safe pick. And um, and that's why he's, you got you to gotta understand, too, from a, just a draft strategy perspective, there was only two to me, extremely high-end defensemen in this class that you could really just project outright and be like, they really look top four. Uh, and that's Reinbacker and Dmitry Samichev. Those are the only two, and they went back-to-back for a reason, right? We're not the only ones who thought that. There's organizations yeah. also very much thought, thought that. 100%. Um, I don't think David Reinbacker falls in the Moritz Sider camp. Uh, at Hockey Prospect, we're the only public outlet that had Mort Sider in the top 10 of his draft year. I remember watching Mort Sider at the world championships and I turned to Mark and I said, Mark, uh, I think we lost him. Everybody's going to know what Mort Sider is now or in trouble. And uh, Mark laughed. He said, I think you'll be surprised. <laughs> On Mark's point, uh, nobody had him anywhere near the top 10. So we, it was, it was a, honestly, we kind of still botched it though in a redraft he's top two. So, we, you know, we thought very highly of him, but he's now a remarkable, remarkable player in his own right. Can David Ryan backer get there? We don't think so. I personally don't think so. The main reason why. I don't think so. 
All right. Yeah. The, the, the main reason why is the hockey set. So Moritz Sider is a more intelligent player at the same age than Ryan Backer. Ryan Backer can put himself in bad spots with his playmaking. He doesn't read his uh, reloading options and breakout options at the same rate Mort Sider did. He's not as poised or as comfortable handling the puck as Mort Sider was. Uh, he also doesn't project to have as big a frame as Mort Sider. So there, there are aspects of Mort Sider that I felt personally were, were ahead of Ryan Backer. That said, what is Montreal getting? Montreal is getting an incredibly uh, a well-rounded player. He's a 200-foot player. He has a cannon of a shot. That's the that's the bread and butter of him offensively. Is he can get a shot through traffic, and he has a shot that's very difficult for goalies to manage. So a lot of his primary assist rates are going to be off of the shot quality from the point. As the year progressed, he showed a higher level of comfort in terms of handling the puck in transition, and he showed a better level of comfort engaging correctly when already established in zone. So when he needed to box out players at a higher rate, he was doing so by the end of the year at a rate that was, wasn't was there when he was playing earlier in National League. Um, sometimes he can get caught flat-footed off the rush, doesn't project to be able to hold the rush like Simachev or Rolander long-term, doesn't have the skating base of Simachev or Rolander, uh, but he is a big body, and I have seen him absolutely use his frame correctly to pin and squeeze out opposing players along the boards. Um, so, you know, again, well-rounded, versatile. He's a minute-eater. If anybody was like, what is he? He's a minute eater. He's that's gonna, what, that's why I had him as a number three play. projection. That's why like, I really thought he would thrive in the number three hole. Now, yeah. Montreal is clearly thinking that his offensive output, his passing ability, his transition ability, his shot from the point, being able to move the puck effectively on the blue line, is going to improve, improve to the point where they think he's going to be a number two. Otherwise, there's no point of drafting him there. So that's what they, it's it's they've already stated it outward outwardly that that's what they think he's going to be able to do. Um, you know, we have to make projections and I'm not saying he can't he won't improve because he'll improve. But there's a separation point between that number three and a number two that I'm not sure. And I'm talking about being number three <clears throat> through the majority of his primary years of, you know, 24 to 30. And maybe he sneaks into that number two hole for a couple of those years, but I just thought the majority of it he was be he would be a three. So one thing with his with his development, one of the biggest and most important aspects of his development is for him to understand how to synchronously connect his agility with his hands. That's missing at times. He can be a bit too stationary, a bit too flat footed. However, there were flashes of that. So and especially with his handling coordination, it, it already improved before the end of the season. If it's just like with Philly betting on Oliver Bonk. Philly's betting that Oliver Bonk hasn't fully developed his coordination. If he can get to another level, then he's going to be able to chain plays together quicker. That's going to be extraordinarily important for his development. That's the exact same for Reinbacker. Reinbacker needs to find another level of, of chaining skills together so that he can get pucks moving a little bit faster or safeguard pucks uh, in a way that he currently can't. So th there, there is upside, but I really think that he looks like a, a top four insulator uh, that can get you 25, 30 points. Uh, the, the safety is is important, and the fact he's a right shot. Of the, course. the right shot aspect is huge. That's one of the main reasons that he was projected to go as high as, as he was. It's, it's not the player's fault that this draft class has very few of him. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's the, that's the problem in this class. This is if they if had the three team, more, he might be that's the exactly fourth, right. fourth defenseman then, or fifth defenseman. Then he goes taken. in the teens, and nobody's <clears throat> looking at it uh, from the perspective yeah. they are. Right? It's just the nature of the draft. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Jacob Fowler, who they took third round, 69th overall. We talked about him a lot going in, you know, prior to the draft and then obviously into our draft show. Where we specifically spoke about the goaltenders and he's going to Boston College, which I think is a great spot for him. Um, I think goaltenders need to play all three years there. So he's going to get that opportunity. Thoughts on what he needs to do at the next stage. So before he turns pro and gets into the American Hockey League. Uh, so Jacob Fowler, uh, he's the one goalie who I honestly thought would go higher. I was a little surprised Montreal even snagged him. So I thought it was an excellent pick. I'm surprised um, he went in the third round, end of the you know kind of beginning part of the third round. Yeah. So so when you look at um, so for instance, you look at defensemen who fall. It's usually their skating bases. Lucas Dragasevich, Etienne Morin, right? Those are two classic examples. When you look at forwards that fall, usually it's either their size, like Jaden Prawn, or their skating base, right? Yeah. Um, so when goalies fall that are gifted, it's usually because their athleticism isn't at that excellent to elite level. That's exactly the case with Jaden Fowler. He falls, falls more into the Carter Hart category, meaning cerebral, anticipates play extremely well. His situational reads are fantastic. He very rarely beats himself on a play. Okay, that's the yes for wall stats, the Carter Hearts of the world where they track phenomenally yeah. so they don't have to use their athleticism as often. And when and things break down, that's their problem. Like when things that's break right. down and that's they right. have the, to like make saves that are not traditional, that's when things start to fall apart a little bit for them. There, there is a projection when you look at the raw rate of recovery when it comes to secondary saves, when it comes to high danger lateral passes that require full extensions and explosive lateral push-offs, that's where he falls a bit short. Now, is it short enough for him to have fallen that far? To me, no. Uh, but obviously, that's not what the industry thought. But uh, make no mistake, I understand the, the point of view. First, like, I understand why scouts draft defensemen who can skate first. I understand why larger players are still more prominent than smaller players. And I definitely understand why Adam Guyan, Michael Rabble, and Damien Clara went before him. It just it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like, they're, they're, they're hyper, they have hyper athleticism. That can wash away a lot of problems, right? Uh, some well, some organizations are more concerned when having to be so reliant on the mental game because, as you know, young developing teenagers, it, it can be very hard to predict their mental game in five years. Yeah, I mean, and that's a matter of it's so much easier to build up somebody's technical skills than it is to build up their athleticism in that, in that situation. That's something that sometimes we can forget that it's easier to build up that part than the other part. And like, and that's, that's not just to goalies, but particularly to goalies. And then, so he has to play to his strengths and there are ways to, you know, improve his athleticism. But, you know, if you're not a nat, no, I want to say natural athlete because you're actually, you know, you, you grow into that, but there are some you know, obviously genetic aspects to that. So I'm really intrigued in terms of seeing what he, what he's going to do at BC thoughts on like, what does he need to do to mitigate some of that athleticism and can't, where does he need, what does he need to do to improve that athleticism and, you know, losing a little bit of um, weight, having him in that 195 range, I think would be helpful as well. Just your point, pro diet, right? He's, he's going to have to get conditioned. He's going to have to lean down. That's the, the best way for him to modify. To your point, uh, you know, uh, it's one of those situations where some people are just gifted with type two fast switch fibers at a higher rate than other yeah. people. Uh, you know, I, I used to train 
in collegiate wrestling and do whatever I could to be as explosive as possible. And uh, I was an okay athlete, but I had teammates who were elite athletes and it did not matter what I did compared to them. It did not matter. They could go out and party 24 seven, not go to the gym. I was there in the gym <laughs> and they were just, they're just unbelievable athletes. There's just the best athlete I ever met his uh, training regimen, um, uh, his eating protocol. He ate frozen pizzas. And he was yeah. the best athlete I had ever seen. He had a 50-inch standing vertical, 220 pounds, 5% body fat. 50-inch standing vertical. Right? Uh, 220, 5'10". My height, 5'10 and a half, 220 pounds of lean muscle. It just – it doesn't matter what you do. It's just sometimes God-given. <laughs> and, you know, it's just it's just some some kids are freak athletes. Adam Guyane's a freak athlete. Damian Clara's a freak athlete. <laughs> Uh, it just so happens that Jacob Fowler is going to have to be one of those kids who was like me, where he's going to have to really dial it in to get those results. I, I had to live in a gym. I had to eat extremely clean. I threw out jelly beans. <laughs> so I, couldn't, I couldn't eat a jelly bean. Jacob Fowler is going to have to throw out the jelly beans. That's just the way it is. Um, but if he does, and I'm sure he will, uh, then there's a lot there. You know, Carter Hart went in the second round, too. Yeah. You know, does he go in the second round now? Of course Probably not. not. Right. No. Of course not. So Jacob Fowler has an opportunity to, to, to have the exact same path as, as, as Hart, uh, in my estimation. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio in our draft review of the Atlantic Division. We'll talk about the Boston Bruins next. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. 
We're back for our 2023 NHL draft review of the Atlantic Division, powered by Huddle Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're now going to chat about the Boston Bruins. Uh, I know you want to talk about Beckett, Beckett Hendrickson, who is going to play next year in the USHL for Sioux Falls. So I'm sure Tony Gasparini and the guys down there are going to take care of him. He's a big body at 6280 pounds obviously hasn't filled out as a, as a left winger uh thoughts on him being drafted by Boston uh 92nd overall yeah one of the more unique picks from the fact that this is that that prototype where okay the program stat which player is playing down in a lineup and right. which one's the untapped one right that's yeah. exactly the Beckett Hendrickson pick, right? Um, so I'm sure that's what Boston is betting on is that there's an untapped quality to Beckett. Um, doesn't get a ton of minutes, didn't get a lot of opportunity on the power play in the top unit. So it's one of those situations where when you look at Beckett Hendrickson, um, what immediately stands out is the toolkit. This is a athletically gifted kid with a very good skating base. He has everything that's the, that you stereotypically look for. He has three-point flexion, good posture, good hip mobility. His turn rate's good. He can get off the center line fast, right? It, he's agile. He, he has everything, and he used it correctly. So what that means is that when he was in recovery mode for his team, he could get it back above the puck because of his skating base. When he needed to turn a player inside out to strip them off the puck and put himself in a position to be able to scan the ice and see what's ahead of him, he could do that, right? That's the ability to manipulate off that center line, get underneath players, use his leverage advantage. So the, the physical aspect of Ben Henderson is projectable already. So that's a good base to work with when you're drafting in, in the, was it the back third. of the third or to, uh, top of the third, 69th overall? Top of the third. So when, when you're looking at um, his skill set, that's I say sorry, he's fourth round pick, 124th overall. Oh, is he a fourth round pick? He's he's a fourth, okay, round. fourth round pick. Yeah. So so when you look at his skill set, I found that he had he was the life to box chocolates quote. You know, you never know what you're gonna get. One game, you really see projection. He's doing one touch processing, playmaking, he's finding his teammates in transition, he's letting the game breathe and come to him, he's finding his trailer options, he's he's finding backdoor options, he's skating patterns are on track, he's not shooting from low danger angles, and you really start to to think that wow, if, if he develops correctly, this could be the, the untapped hidden gem on the program. But yeah. then there are other games where you get the leading passes are off and he's shooting from low danger angles too often and he's rushing his play and he's not seeing the ice like he should. And, and that's when he really breaks down. So there's a consistency issue. Now, the argument you can make is, well, he didn't play a ton. He was playing down the line. What happens if he got those top minutes? I'm sure that's something that, that uh, Boston is betting on with the pick. If he gets more minutes and he gets an opportunity to showcase himself at the USHL in a top-line capacity next season, which I'm sure he will, then maybe that well-rounded consistency can come through. And if that comes through, it's backed on an athletic base that can translate. Well, what's interesting to me as well is the fact he's going to go play in the USHL for a year in Sioux Falls. Then he's going to University of Minnesota. So you could project him out <clears throat> playing four years before he has to go to the American Hockey League. All of a sudden, you have an underdeveloped 18-year-old kid, and now you have a 22-year-old going into the American Hockey League who's probably 6'2 and 210 pounds or larger, right, with that athleticism and skating base So <clears throat> and the time to develop. So if we're talking about the probability of fourth-round picks to the seventh-round picks making it and only 15 do historically, I would rather – take a flyer on a guy like this than maybe somebody else because of that four years you're going to get in terms of development before you got to get him into the American Hockey League. And 
they like those big bodies as well. Uh, I know also uh, we want to talk about uh, in the Boston system, there was a, a bunch of guys. I mean, they obviously didn't have a first and a second, uh, but I know you want to talk about Casper uh, Nason. So let's talk about him as well. He's going to go to college as well, but not next year, the year after that, which I also like, right? Because then there's a year to play in Sweden and then potentially three more years to play at the University of Miami, Ohio. Yeah, late blooming, developing power forward out of Vistera system. Uh, I think, as you just said, it's the right it's the right uh, uh, um, system for him to be in because he needs that time in college to really round out his game and develop. So the the, the, the big thing with Casper Nason is he actually fits a similar model to what Boston drafted with Hendrickson, meaning yeah. athletically very gifted. The base is already there. This you you'd be very. I, I'll be honest. Out of any of the seventh round picks. He's the one on paper that looks like he could really have a chance just because you, you look at, okay, checklist this, 6'4", excellent shot quality, phenomenal athlete, can really skate, right? You're getting that in the seventh round. That's a pretty good development base to work with, and that's exactly what he is showcased. Yeah. Uh, now, there obviously he was a seventh round pick for a reason. Uh, one of the reasons is the fact that uh, he was developing in J18. He didn't even play a full season, J20, up until this point. Uh, the second area of concern is usually when you see a 6'4", big body, super athletically gifted player who can really shoot off the rush, uh, you would you usually got- expect them to dominate at a higher rate than he did in J20. Right. In Visteris, right? The other factor is that he's limited in some areas. So the biggest limiting factor for him right now is his playmaking. Doesn't see the ice very well. So what you're hoping for is that prototypical straight line, north-south, big body who can fly and be extremely dangerous off the rush. And then hope that he can start developing molding a more of a creative element in his game as he continues to uh, to, to develop his, his offensive skill set. So, for instance, one one thing that I really thought interesting about this player when I watched him, he wasn't so creative with his set, setting up his, his playmaking or his shooting, but he was very creative with his handling at times. So, for instance, he would do like reverse bank passes off the board to himself in the offensive zone uh, in order to make sure that he could mitigate getting clipped or, or getting squeezed out or, or, or boxed out, right? So it's it interesting that a player that's 6'4", 200 pounds with his athletic base was thinking deceptively with his hands at this stage. It's a good sign. So I, I'm sure that that's one of the reasons Boston uh, is looking at him is that, I mean, how many 6'4 projectable athletes who can shoot a puck are available in the seventh round? And, and they took uh, they took a gamble. Well, the advantage is he's going to come in as a freshman, as a 20 year old with Miami. So then he could play three years, then come into the American League as a 23 year old, and like a 23 year old man. And, he, and it gives him the four years to experiment and to get better in a variety of different areas. So it's that time. It's another player with four years to wait. And I know sometimes people get all like antsy about having to wait that long, but that's normal. You know, so from my standpoint, when I look at him as a player, you know, I like the fact that I'm will. That's a guy I'm willing to bet on. If you're going to bet on late players late, those are the kind of players that you, I think you got to bet on. Um, or like you know the prototypical defensive defenseman that just needs four more and is going to go to college route as well, who just needs, you know, four more years to to work out their game and has some athletic base and some skating ability, but doesn't have any offensive ability whatsoever, you know, to speak of. Those are the kind of guys that I'm always interested in, in those later rounds, because every once in a while, those guys hit from that standpoint. So uh, Brad and I are going to take a short break on hockey prospect radio. We come back. We're going to talk about the Buffalo Sabres prospects at the 2023 NHL Draft right after these messages. Every play, 
every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but altogether, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio in our 2023 draft review of the Atlantic Division, brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting through an integrated series of best business practices. They design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. We're now going to talk about the Buffalo Sabres. And first off the market, 13th overall was Zach Benson. Um, you know, after you know, seeing him being drafted and how obviously Buffalo was thrilled to get him there. Um, I wasn't shocked that he slid a little bit, um, although I don't think he should have, but I understand why, uh, you know, that skating base, we talked about it. Like how much faster can that kid get? I mean, he's tenacious, hockey sense, puck skills, you know, dog on a bone, chases the puck down like he's a relentless player, he's a player that you'd want in your team. The only concern was, you know, when you get the Dmitry Simashevs of the world, the Moritz Siders of the world to fit, you know, going against you, do you have enough skating ability to offset and just add to another tool of your toolkit in that respect? Thoughts on Benson? Well, let me start off by saying the Buffalo's getting scary. 
Like it's it's time to get like the rest of the league needs to start getting a bit worried here. Like they're they're really they're stacking up quiet. hard. They're stacking yeah. up. It's getting real. Like with JJ Paterka's development, Jack Quinn's development, and Yuri Kulik's development, and Devin Levi coming in, and that back end they got developing. It's just there's a whole lot of weaponry coming in here, and of course that Benson falls right to him. Now it's not unexpected. Uh, smaller, already been injured this season. Uh, which I think was definitely on people's minds. And then, as you mentioned, not a great skater relative to his size. And I'm willing to bet a lot that that was the real reason he fell. If he was a dynamic skater, I'm willing to bet he would have gone probably in the top five, six picks. Yeah, for uh, sure. Even with his size. So you, Buffalo's getting, to me, one of the most heart and soul players in this draft just he just bleeds heart and soul hockey he's a gamer he's one of the most competitive driven players i've ever seen play and he's one of the smartest players pound for pound in this draft so uh one of those situations where when you look at his makeup he's going to be just as effective off the puck as on the puck he anticipates a play like very few players can he's a he's a handful regardless of his frame uh, he's he actually projects to be one of the better defensive players in this class. That's yeah. how gifted he is anticipating off the puck. Uh, when you look at the energy he brings, it gives it just augments a line. It just it bolsters it bolsters the line. It just it gets everybody moving because he doesn't stop. There's no quit. There's there's he's completely fearless. Um, the limiting factor is the upsides under some of these other dynamic players that were taken up ahead of him. So for instance, the one thing that you can make a real argument for taking Will Smith, and I'm sure San Jose did, is that Will Smith's a more dynamic player. Just more dynamic than, than Zach Benson. Right? And and that's true of some of these other players that were drafted before him too. Mathe Mitchkov, Adam Fintili, Leo Carlson, uh, Bedard, obviously. They, they, those players just have a dynamic quality that Benson lacks. But Benson makes up for that uh, lacking a bit of that with just how structured he is, how consistent he is, and uh, his pass first, his pass first mindset. It really, it really works to his advantage when you project him as a pro because you just talked about the skating base being a bit under. We always discuss this on this program. If your skating base isn't dynamic, you have to be very reliant on your playmaking. Benson is a very gifted playmaker. Um, when you contrast him, for instance, Andrew Crystal. One of the biggest differences is Crystal might be actually a more dynamic playmaker, but he doesn't manage the puck nearly as well as Zach Benson already does. So Benson already projects to be a far more mature player going into his pro career than Crystal does at this stage of his development. Let's talk about Anton Wahlberg, who they got in the second round, 39th overall forward out of Sweden. And uh, we had talked about him coming into the draft as well as, a guy that, you know, with that size, 6'3", 192 pounds, can play in the middle of the ice. He just brings a different element to, like, if you look at their forward group in their prospects, they got a few smaller guys, and he just sort of offsets some of that, but still has enough skill and hockey sense, to, you know, to be able to play in the NHL. Well, that's that's the bet. So, Anton Wahlberg is very interesting from the perspective we talk about I'm trying to bring up draft strategy a little more because a lot of feedback, people really enjoy it. So one thing that you look at with Buffalo, they do not mind drafting small. Right? Nope. It's not a big team. Okay, so what do they do? Anton Wahlberg is 6'3", 200 pounds of, of strength. He's already statically developed. His power output's only going to improve. Uh, he's actually raw still in terms of his skating foundation, which is actually, I think, a, a good thing. I think when this kid really fills out, he's going to be a totally different level of skater than what we've already seen. And he's already dangerous in transition to the SHL level. So that's a very good sign. 
Um, this is this player is quite literally the exact opposite of Zach Benson. He is huge. He can't pass a puck very well. He has to be extremely reliant on his frame and handling ability, and he projects to be a, a pretty good skater. Uh, he's going to be a complimentary piece. He's not going to be able to drive possession too often, even with his handling, frame combination, skating combination. Theoretically, that should mean that he can drive possession, but you must have a mind that allows you uh, to, to really orchestrate uh, an effective attack at the NHL level where you can really label somebody a true driver. So yeah. he's going to be able to drive occasionally, but he really falls into a compliment on a line where he'll do the dirty work. He'll he'll be the guy who 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 goes net front and he'll occasionally do something fantastic in transition that gives his teammates an opportunity to set up or something. He's, this, a, what's, what's he's a third fourth line, third fourth line center. Yeah, we'll see. So, so the, maybe the plays center, in the middle, but maybe goes on the left left wall. Well, so so <laughs> in centers, you you typically need intelligence to be a center. I would argue that Wahlberg, his weakness is is his intelligence. This is a player who in J twenty, when you watched him, I'll be honest, I didn't even think he had a chance because what he would do is he would overhandle everything, and he would not he would never use his teammates. He's one of those rare players that honestly made his teammates worse. Uh, now, however, when he went to the SHL. Then you saw him play in structure. Do you know what it reminds me a little bit of? Uh, one of my favorite prospects uh, to the monitor and watch his development, Demila Klimovich. Demila Klimovich, when he was coming out of Vashaya, was a one-man army. He would do everything himself, wouldn't incorporate his teammates. Then you saw him start playing with structure at the World Championship level, and that's when I got very interested in the player, being like, there was considerable upside of Vancouver can mold him. That's the same type of situation that Buffalo's getting with Anton Wahlberg. Anton Wahlberg is a player that must be molded correctly, and he needs to learn how to play in structure so he can actually help his team, support his team, and that, that, if that gets drawn out, then Buffalo gets a very interesting depth player. Yeah, it's it's a matter of I think he just played better. When I watch him play, he's just like he's better in structure. Like he he, I don't want him in a situation where he has to be creative. Like I want singular decision making. This is your singular role. Make it as simplistic as possible, and then use all your other elements to help him along. Uh, also for Buffalo uh, in the mid second round is that's where they took Maxim Sturback. So at the, at the USHL, and we talked a lot about him, obviously from the world juniors and the U18s and then um, into the draft as well. So thoughts on taking him at that spot because they have so many top end defensemen. I thought that was just a, a, a nice pick for them to find somebody who could fit within that third pairing and can just be a de really reliable defensive defenseman for them as they project him moving forward. He reminds me of, well, there's a lot of prospects that fall into this territory, but it, really what, what he is, is um, a Jekyll and Hyde player. And what that means is that his international performances were nothing like he was in the USHL. He was excellent at the U20s and he was, he had, he was up and down at the U18s, but still at a level that I thought was much better than when he was in the USHL. In the USHL, I didn't see a player. And flat out didn't see a player that could translate. However, you look at his international performances, then it screams, okay, if he gets developed correctly, then he could be a very useful insulator with some unique qualities. Um, so I'm sure what Buffalo was banking on, much like they are banking on Anton Wolver being able to, to live in a structure that they saw within the SHL at the end of the season or and some of his U18 performances, they were banking on that. Well, they're banking on Maxine Sturback being able to be the player they saw at the U20s long term. Because that was those were his peak performances. That was a player who looked like he could actually play in the NHL long term. Um, very unique player, super aggressive. 
He has that Martin Farivari trait in him where he'll run players. Farivari is a more intelligent player at the same age. And Farivari was a much more gifted skater at the same age. So there's definitely um, – I, I, I preferred Farivari at the same age. Um, but but Sturbeck does have some very interesting qualities. He's a bit more dynamic at the line than Farivari. Not as gifted a shooter, but a little more dynamic with how he tries to operate and open up his uh, uh, his options. Um, and um, if he can rein in his game correctly, much in the way that uh, Tom Lander has to, to a degree, much in the way that uh, Fahervari had to before he made the NHL and transitioned to Washington, then he could be a very interesting top four insulator uh, if everything goes absolutely right. Uh, right now, I think the most realistic asp- uh, uh, um, interpretation of this player is him to be a bottom parent insulator. And what you really need from him long-term within his development is for him to clean up his exits retrieval rates. He can be a little over map. He's very hit and miss with his mental mapping, his consistency of, of, of how he reads the play and recognizing his time and space under pressure. So U20s, he showcased he could do it, though. Yeah. So it's just the consistency, right? So that very interesting draft by Buffalo. They, they, they went directly in their comfort zone with Zach Benson and then immediately found interesting players that are not currently within their organization. Well, they, round, they rounded it out uh, from that um, standpoint. And Sturback's going to go to Michigan State University, I'm going to guess, for the next three years before he turns pro and they go to Rochester. And Kevin Adams is very patient with his prospects, so I suspect he'll play all three years before he hits uh, the American Hockey League. Brad and I are going to take a quick break. We come back, we'll talk about the Ottawa Senators draft right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown – On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skilled development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. 
prospect news and analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio and our 2020 NHL, NHL Draft Review of the Atlantic Division brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting. Through an integrated series of best practices, they design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. We're chatting about the Ottawa Senators draft. They didn't have a first, didn't have a second, didn't have a third. So we're jumping right to the fourth. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the BC Hockey League because uh, many of their players that were drafted came out of there. And we'll talk a little bit about draft strategy and that. My hometown, it's a BC Hockey League team, so uh, I'm very familiar with the BC Hockey League. Watched it a lot when I lived out in the West Coast. So let's talk about Hoyt Stanley, who was uh, their fourth-round pick, 108th overall. Right-handed shot defenseman, 6'3", over 200 pounds already, played for the Victoria Grizzlies, and is going to attend Cornell University next year. Thoughts on him? And I like the fact, if you're going to go into the fourth and seventh rounds, and we've talked about this already, I really tend to target Europeans and kids that are going to go the college route, particularly if they get to play another year in junior A before they go to college. So you're really sort of spreading out for a four year run of development. Now, um, you know, in, in this case, uh, Hoyt's going to have three years in, in Cornell and then probably move on. But still, at that point, he'll be 21. Thoughts on him as a player? Well, as a player, 6'3", right shot, very mobile. So the, the base is there, right? That, that yeah. It's a common theme, actually, we just talked about with Boston. Well, the base is already there. And between the fourth, fourth and seventh round, if you can get the athletic base and the skating, well, that's, that's a good start, right? So um, in terms of his upside, I think he projects to be more of a puck mover than anything based off of my viewings. Um, it's one of those situations where he can make a first pass and he can already skate. He's raw though, and uh, and and that's not unexpected. BCHL players are typically raw, and, we, and that, that was his, that was really his first year last year. He only played thirteen games the year before that. In the that's BCHL right, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know with the COVID pause too, the development with some of these kids, there's a there's a blooming quality that that's going to occur after the draft. So what's fascinating to me about Ottawa's picks is they absolutely do not mind drafting from lower level leagues relative to the CHL, meaning WHO, HL, and Q, QMJHL. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating to me because if you look at the last, let's say, five years of drafting out of the BCHL, AJHL, which uh, Ottawa, again, has no problem drafting out of Jacob Bernard Dockers from the AJHL, uh, it's, it paints a picture of tremendous risk. So if you look at the Victoria Grizzlies where, he's, where he played, you look at Alex Newhook, you look at Alexander Campbell, look at Carter Berger, you look at one of my personal favorites who's burning me in late Nahak, you know, it's one of situations I thought it was one of, I thought it was a great pick by Vegas, you know, and, and uh, late Nahak is not projecting uh, to play at this, at this time, you know, things can change, but at this time he doesn't project to play. Alexander Campbell, third round pick out of Nashville. I thought he was going to be one of the better picks of that draft. I really did. I loved Alexander Campbell's draft year. He's a bit under, at least production-wise in college, where I expected. That doesn't mean he can't play still, but it's it's making it's putting me on notice. You look at Alex Newhook; that was one of the most hyped BCHL players uh, after Tyson Jost. Well, look at what happened to Tyson Jost. Well, look what happened to Alex Newhook. Well, there's My a lot of is, too much too soon for both those players. They're both thrown into into the pro hockey too soon. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, Newhook got an opportunity in college. Uh, I think Tyson Jost was was a one year and then and then directly one in and the out. NHL. Yeah. One and out. So yeah. So so that that certainly seems yeah. It's it's a 
a bit, it's talent on paper a bit rushed, but it's hindsight, you know, who knows? Um, but I'll say this, like you talk about, we're talking about draft strategy a lot. We're talking about risk and risk assessment. Like Jacob Bernard Docker also was not panned out. And I like the pick. I thought it was a great pick by Ottawa. I like that player. He has also had difficulty. My point is you have to be unbelievably careful when it comes to drafting out of these leagues. And one thing I can, I can tell you about Ottawa is they take their guy. They're not, they don't, they're not looking at this percentage game right now. They like that player. They're taking that player. And that doesn't mean Hoyt Stanley can't play. Heck, I like the fact he's a 6'3 right shot who can skate. That's an excellent base to work with. I'm not suggesting what Ottawa's doing is, is wrong. I'm just saying when you look at some of the draft strategy, what they're willing to bring in from the AJHL, BCHL, uh, it's it's very interesting on paper. Very I don't mind I don't mind the, I don't mind them doing it if it's the fourth rounds and later. I don't mind. On average, well, only that, 50, that's exactly only... where you're allowed to do it, right? Right. Then that, that that's when you right should do strategy. it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And when it when it comes to untapping the potential of these players, you do it usually in the later later half of the rounds. And and it, that directly brings me into the the goalie they brought. So um, Ottawa did uh, did some of my work actually. So I'm upset at them for this, which is um, which is Nikitin out of Kazakhstan. You know, I don't think people yeah. ever look at Kazakhstan, um, but he's in Belarus's system. Uh, I got to watch him against Belarus, and I saw some of his league games and. Um, he was excellent in Division One and the U18s. Then the season had a standout performance against Hungary. When you look at the base for goalies, even though he's unbelievably raw at the position, and he is coming out of the Kazakhstan's U20 system, so it's not expected. He has what you want. He's six three and a half, six four, and he's hyper reflexive. So the athletic base is there, and so it's a very fascinating pick. I honestly really thought that he was going to not get drafted this season, and so I was looking at uh, a player I was going to get to talk about next season. Um, but you know, there were some goalies taken that I didn't know. I have no problem admitting that. But this one I did know, and I was I was like, oh, Ottawa. I really, I really not believe they took him. Make did. this even more amusing for he's going to go play with the Chilliwack Chiefs in the BC that, Hockey that's League. That's why year. I brought it up. That's yeah. exactly what I brought right. up. So they have, and, and you look at their development system right now. Who's one of their players that's actually developing really well? Angus Crookshank. Yeah, Angus Crookshank was a, is a, I believe, a fifth round pick. Yeah, Victoria, um, if I remember. 2019, correctly. I think. Yeah. Is, uh, we don't use notes here. So I think it's I think it was fifth round 2019 and just Crookshank. Uh he's playing really well in the AHL. He's just coming off, I think, a 26 goal season. So when you look at Ottawa, they're a team that you can tell has absolutely no problem looking at those secondary leagues to find that untapped hidden talent when appropriate. Well, the advantage of that is they got time. Like those guys are going to take, they're going to be four years before they have to turn pro. It's not two years out of the CHL and have to turn pro. So if you take, say, a defenseman out of the queue in the four, in the fourth round or fifth round, say, well, you do a comparable fifth round or, you know, fourth, like Holt Stanley, he's got to play in the pros at 20. You got to sign him or you don't sign him where Hoyt can go off and play three years in the ECAC and you have a better understanding of what he is at 21, comes into plays of the American League at 22. You know, this is no different than any other of the, you know, the players that they took. The funny thing is we go through their list, you know, you know, Owen Beckner, he's out of the, you know, he's a junior A kid too as well in the BC Hockey League. You know, uh, you know, Vladimir Keaton's going to go play in the BC Hockey League. You know, they might as well just chose everybody out of junior A, out of junior A or the USHL. I mean, and that's what, you know, I understand that draft strategy and we talk about that a lot, you know, in that standpoint of, and, you know, we have to keep repeating it because it's really important, I think, to understand what the probability of getting a player in the fourth or seventh rounds is. 15 players. 
four rounds, right? That's like 12.5% chance of getting a player. Like that's half a player per team. Well, now it's even less because now we have 32 teams. So the odds really haven't like got better in that respect, the player, you know, so you really have to understand the longer development path you have in that respect is going to make all the difference in the world, whether you make it or not. It's the guys that jump in early. I, I'm not that I don't like the guys out of the CHL, um, but I always find that more dangerous in terms of the probability of them making it than the junior A kids or the kids going to college or the kids out of Europe. If you're a fourth round to seventh round pick, unless you're a specialized player, like we have talked about in the past, uh, Brad and I are going to take a short break. We'll be back into hour two, right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together they're undeniable. Introducing huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hour 2 of our 2003 NHL Draft Review, the Atlantic Division and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. We're going to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs prospects as long as my voice holds out um as we're going so in the first round they took at 28th overall easton cowan uh obviously from the draft when he was picked it was uh, i thought it was decisive uh amongst the media because majority media didn't know who he was because he you know he wasn't a prominent player and wasn't projected 
by almost everybody except you guys that um, to go in the first round, and he did. Uh, but I, when I watched him play, I had him in my top sixty, so I thought he was going to play. He's going to play two hundred games in the NHL. He's going to be an NHLer. But I just didn't think if I'm going to take a player of that size, skill set, I just didn't project him to be on a second line. I projected him to be on a third line, but a third line NHL player, which is really good value. So that's just, I wouldn't have taken him there, but I would have taken him. So, um, and he had a remarkable finish to his season, you know, really from Christmas beyond and then into the playoffs, um, took his game to another level, got opportunity, but really seized it. So you got to give him credit for that as well. So thoughts on him as a player. Yeah. Well, I, you know, to your point, uh, it's one of those situations where maybe publicly, uh, at least in the online community, he wasn't discussed. But believe me when I say privately and in the actual NHL community, he was. Oh, everybody talked about him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's Listen, this is a player who had the right curve, the right development curve. He started out the season, awkward skater, hunched over, doesn't always maintain his posture, not a super explosive kid at 5'10". Right? And so it's like, okay, the base is not pretty. And then you really start – Look, breaking down his game, and he's one of those the 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 holes greater than the uh, than the sum of his parts. He's he's just one of those extremely well-rounded and efficient players who's incredibly intelligent and hardworking. So the intelligence and hardworking nature of him helped compensate for his lack of a toolkit. However, as the season progressed and the and he became functionally stronger, you started seeing what he was really capable of doing when he could really apply his skating with the rest of his skill set, and that's why he started generating it points at a higher rate I feel it's why he was uh, very good in, in the playoffs for London and then you factor in that Toronto was building a team where they're trying to bring in more heart and soul type of, of character players well the, he fits that description to a team so although he's a bit smaller one thing too is we actually project him to 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 continue to grow um, and that's because of his of his family uh, you know, he actually projects, we think, to be over six feet, maybe even six one by the time that he's a functional and fully fledged adult, 22, 23 years old. Uh, that could really help his game because it's already very good along the boards. He already plays the walls correctly. He's already good off the four check. He's already very defensively responsible. He's a player you can rely on. And, and it comes down to just the offensive consistency and just how much is there untapped offensively still. And so he's a primary playmaker. He's a deceptive player. He reads the ice well. He makes his teammates better. Uh, it's one of those situations where you don't project him to be a high-end goal scorer, but with the rest of his game, he doesn't really have to be. And then you factor in the fact he's in London, and London is historically uh, the most dominant CHL team in history at producing NHL talent. So he's in the right place. He's going to be developed the right way. And then there's a lot of, of really interesting ancillary attributes to the player that really make him uh, more interesting than his raw stat line at the OHL level would suggest. Well, let's uh, talk about a fifth round pick in Hudson Malinowski came out of Brooks bandits. Uh, I give Brooks a lot of credit. They've been pumping out some players out of, out of that organization as well in the Alberta junior hockey league. He'll be playing in Providence college next year, six, one, uh, about 180 pounds thoughts on him as a player. And as a fifth round pick, this is what we talked about with Ottawa. This is where I'm perfectly happy with taking junior A kids. They're going to go play college for three years. So, so it's really interesting about this pick with Molinowski. He has some of the same characteristics that Easton Cowan has high energy player, very good motor, extremely tenacious is willing to use his frame. So there, there is some overlap there with the, with those two specific picks. 
Uh, Malinowski, decent, pretty decent skater. Uh, the, the big thing of Malinowski, he, like Cowan too, actually, now I think about it, he, he projects to be more of a primary playmaker. He can be extremely deceptive. Uh, he's actually extremely dynamic at times, which is uh, what, what makes him very interesting is he's a dynamic player with grit and determination. That does not mean I expect or project him to play up in a lineup. He does project to be a complementary depth piece, but he could be an extremely versatile and useful one uh, with some secondary function that you want in a player. He's going to be very hard to play against. The, the big thing with Malinowski for me, in terms of his development being the right development, he has got to learn to rein in his handling and manage the puck better. There is way too many instances in my viewings where he'd mismanage the puck and overhandle the puck. So if he and you get away learn, with you get away with that in junior A, absolutely. You know, it's just the system. It's just the the league he's in and, and the circumstances he's in. He's he's it's one of those situations where a developing player usually doesn't correct a, a, a deficiency within their skill set unless there's some sort of um, um, reason that they have to right. And in Which the case of Malinowski, competition, yeah. Exactly, quality competition. So when he when he moves up levels, that's when he's going to have to really start uh, managing the puck at a better rate than he currently does. But if he can do that, then he's a very interesting player, much in the same way Easton Cowan is. They're the tremendous tremendous uh, pace of play to them, play the right way. They have hard skill attributes, but they also make their teammates better and line mates better because they can pass a puck. So it, it is interesting to me that there's some overlap with with their play style, even though they are different players. What, he's going to have uh, three years in college, probably two in the American League, and then draft plus five. You'll have an idea whether he's going to make the NHL or not, or a better idea anyway. At that point, you know, he's going to be 23 years of age. Uh, Brad and I are going to take a quick break. We come back uh, for the Atlantic preview uh, review, and we'll talk about the Detroit Red Wings right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. 
Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back on Hockey Prospect Radio of the 2023 NHL Draft Review of the Atlantic Division, powered by Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. We're going to talk about the Detroit Red Wings. So they had a couple firsts, they had three seconds, they had a third, they had lots for us to talk about. So we should dig in pretty heavily. Uh, first off, the docket is going to be Nate Danielson, who they took ninth overall. That wouldn't have been my choice at ninth overall. I understand why they took it. Um, you know, in terms of like you talk about, it's kind of a safe player. Like, I don't necessarily project him. I project him more of a two, three, which is why I had him lower in my rankings. Obviously, you know, I still had him in the top 32, but you know, I, I just couldn't quite get there to be a number two centerman. And even at number two centerman, I don't know if they necessarily had to take him at number nine. It's going to be interesting conversations, obviously when we have Detroit on next season to talk about, their, you know, their drafts and some of their players, uh, but thoughts on him overall. And maybe, you know, I got to give the kids some, you know, credit. He got overplayed a lot, especially at the end of the year. And guys start to kind of wear down and you start to make mental mistakes and uncharacteristic things start to bring, come up into your game. And you have to take all of that into consideration. And I think that's, that's only fair commentary for Nate Downson because I think he's going to be an NHL player. I think he's going to be an NHL player. I just, I had a hard time trying to figure out where he was on that scale. You're not the only one. Uh, I don't know anybody in the industry, honestly, that I talked to that wasn't confused by the player. So uh, I mentioned this many times. I'll, I'll mention very briefly here. Uh, he He's built for speed. Okay. The game's extremely fast. That's what he's built for. That's what gives him his floor as his skating foundation. However, at his top end speed, he scored one goal off of the rush. Yeah. You look at his playmaking rates. Okay. Well, let's look at the playmaking ability. He had the worst high danger lateral passing rates out of any top end player in the entire class. Yeah. By, by, by Barnum. So, okay. So how does he work then? How does he operate? What's he doing? Why would he go in the top 10? Okay. It's a couple factors. One, he's gifted handle at handling the puck. He is dynamic times off a rush. What I found in my evaluation, I watched a whole lot of this player, is that if you take his sample from the start of the season, you look in the end, one of the biggest fundamental differences with him is he was just starting to understand how to become a driver from the outside towards the middle of the ice. That is absolutely what you need in terms of that instincts and a foundational part um, when, when you look at his development in terms of wanting to stay, keep him at center. The other thing that improved dramatically with him was the other playmaking rates improved so the high danger low passes did not improve but his stretch playmaking did his low to high danger passes from below the goal line to above the net area improved and just his his give and go sequences uh improved dramatically his cycle game improved so the the 
other playmaking qualities that you need to stay at center improved. The speed is phenomenal. One of the better skaters in this class. And you look at his 200-foot game, it also improved. He was becoming extremely difficult to deal with for opposing players. I know that Connor Bedard was a player that mentioned he was a difficult player to play against. It makes sense because Nate Danielson, when he's bringing it, he's very difficult to stop. He's very fast. He's athletically gifted. And he's a handful. So, yes, he's safe. However, I don't think Detroit would have drafted him if they just thought he was safe. I think what Detroit sees is untapped offensive upside. And I think some of it is based off of what I what I discussed, where when you look at his handling rates at his top speed, they project to be very impressive. When you look at his inside-driven game, it improved. You look at his play, passing game, it improved. You look at his potential long-term outlook, outlook off the rush in terms of his goal scoring, it should be better than it was this season. Then you look at his line mate, you look at the situation he's in, which you discussed earlier with the minutes he was getting. Well, if you dial those minutes back a bit, you give him better line mates and he continues to develop correctly. Maybe he's going to be a lot more more efficient. Maybe he's more efficient, right? So that's, I'm sure that those were some of the things that Detroit took into consideration. For me, he was the strangest player in this class, but there's some boom to go with him. It's not just flat, okay, safe, vanilla. There's a lot of interesting elements to this game that I'm sure Detroit feels they can untap. Let's talk about axing um, setting Pelica at 17th overall for Detroit. And I think if you look at, if you look at him in a vacuum, you can discuss whether you would take him there or not. I'm perfectly okay with Detroit taking him at 17, uh, similar areas on my list, but look at the defensemen they currently have and that are coming in terms of Moritz Sider and Simon Evanson. So he is a different style of defender that brings a different element than those two defensemen. And you like to have some versatility across your defense core to to broaden it and makes it more difficult to defender, you know, defenders to go head to head against that defense core. So in terms of what they were looking for and what they already have, I think that, you know, in terms of his potential offensive ability, I think there it's a, it's a good pick at that spot, and I think there's upside. And the other great thing is they don't have to rush him. He's another guy that even if he breaks out and has more offensive flair, they don't have to rush him. They can leave him, and he doesn't need to come into the American Hockey League till he's 21. Um, you know, maybe they bring him in as a 20 year old, but I would prefer that they didn't. So what's interesting about him is he does not fit the Iser plan, right? The Iser plan is be big, massive physically difficult to deal with, have range, and he does not fit those categories. So that's a very interesting. But they also like to have one. They don't, they're okay with having one of those guys. Well, that's exactly it. So this goes back to the playoffs. We, I talk about this on podcasts. I think I talked about this on, on a, another show we did earlier, which is that when you look at the top four teams that were playing in the semifinals into the Stanley Cup, there was only one team that had more than one six-foot sub-defenseman. That was Florida, who had four. Florida had two of them that were extremely tenacious, including Radko Gudis, Brandon Montour. So when you look at Iserman's game plan still, they are bringing in William Willander. They're bringing in Shia Boom. They drafted Brady Cleveland. They've drafted Andrew Gibson. All of those players are 6'3 plus. Most of them skate extremely well, and most of them are very physical. Okay, so he is the outlier now on that team. So from what I can gather based off the pick was they felt he was just too good at to his take. size for yeah. them to pass up. And that screams just how highly they thought of him, and with good reason. 
Axel Sandin Pelk is one of the smartest defensemen in the draft. He's an excellent skater. He moves puck like moves pucks like the wind. And I've I've constantly said, well, why is Axel Sandin Pelk not a top 15 player? Everybody has been asking me that because he's been all over the map. Some people have him top five, top ten. It's because he has to have insulation with his play style. However, what does Detroit have in spades? Insulation. insulation. Yeah. They have exactly what they need to insulate him immediately to help uh, orchestrate the right development for him. So it's it's one of those situations. We talk about draft strategy. Well, obviously Detroit evaluated that they have already in place what he, what within their system what Pelica demands to have in order to be successful. A hundred percent. And so it to me it, it completely makes sense. Like not players are not always drafted in a vacuum where best player available. There is considerations for other aspects throughout their system and the style of player and how they fit and what they have currently coming as well. Uh, let's also talk about Trey Augustine. You know, he was 41st overall and, you know, we knew this would happen once the first goalie went, then there would be subsequent goalies going after that. And, and Trey Augustine would get picked right away and in their backyard. So easy to monitor, easy to take to track uh, thoughts on Detroit taking him there. Well, it's very interesting because you look at him relative to Sebastian Kosa, it's almost like polar opposite in some ways. Uh, Sebastian Kosa is 6'6", and uh, one of those players you have to rein in and develop over time and try to get him to to calm his game down. Trey Augustine is an incredibly poised, calculated, small, efficient goalie. Right, so almost almost polar opposite to what they already have developing, um, which is which is not a bad thing in any stretch. Just an interesting observation that uh, that there some teams have a very specific style of what they look for in that, and it's it's not easy, but it's more predictable to see what's coming. Detroit obviously was willing to branch out in a totally opposite direction to what they already had. Um, so I, I listen. Trey Augustine is is as of right now. If you were say. We're not drafting for five years. We're drafting for next year. Trey Augustine would be right at the top of the best goalies available. The reason why is because he's so far, far ahead in terms of his technical foundation and his maturity. So it's one of those situations where the reason that he uh, went to Detroit and didn't go a bit earlier is because you look at the size and then you look at the overall athleticism. He is an athlete, don't get me wrong, but I personally think he projects to be just under Devin Levi, Dustin Wolf, um, and UC Saros. He falls into the Alexei Kolosov category, which is still passable, but it's under them. So it will be very interesting to see where he ends up. And maybe I'm wrong. I could be very wrong in that. You never know. Um, but th that's how I monitor him. That's how I evaluate him. That's why he ended up, I believe, fifth in our ranking, um, where, where we took the hyper athletes first. Uh, they didn't, though. And that's, that's interesting in its own right as well. So a uh, very interesting pick. Uh, I think he ends up as a 1B if he plays, uh, which could be extremely useful. That's very and good value. Long, and yeah. he ends up uh, a lot more than that. Maybe he ends up their starter. and That, that would be a heck of a find in the second round. Well, I mean, you could have a nice duo of if Kosa turns out as a 1A and he's your 1B, and you have two different styles of goaltenders. Uh, because I fully expect that Trey Augustine will play all three years at Michigan State, and he's going to face a lot of rubber. It's going to be a different scenario than he, what he faced at the program, so I think that's going to be really valuable for, for him as a goaltender, and that's a tough conference to play in. Uh, we should probably briefly chat about uh, their two other second-round picks, and Andrew Gibson and, and Brady Cleveland. I know you mentioned them, but you, know, you talk about insulating defensive defensemen. Well, here they are, both of them. You know, going to take different development paths obviously because Brady Cleveland's going to go off and play college hockey 
um, thoughts on those two guys as players and then the style of mode. Cause you're looking at, if you look at them in isolation, you know, and then you look back at the playoffs, you go, okay, could either one of these guys be a number six defenseman in the NHL as like one of those tough grinding defensive defenseman. That's a number six that just wears out forwards and can give you reasonable minutes. Maybe, which is why obviously they took them in the second round. Absolutely. You look right through their system. We'll, we'll briefly touch on this. Shia Boom is 6'3", but he's an offensive defenseman. Not a, not a hard defenseman either to play. He's soft. He's on the softer side when it comes to the defensive end. When you look at William Melander, activating machine. Loves to use his speed in transition. Loves to activate and join a rush. Should, protects to be able to do it at a very high rate in the NHL. Simon Evanson. You want him to become a 200-foot defenseman? Uh, and he can get there, but right now I still think he projects to be a bit more of an offensive-oriented defenseman. Mort Sider is really the one that's – I mean, there's a reason he's number one. It's because he can do everything, right? Um, what that means is for the vast majority of the defense coming in, they must have those insulators. And as you said, on that bottom pairing, maybe one or both of them can stick in some capacity and, and be exactly that. The difference between Andrew Gibson and Brady Cleveland, for my, the, the biggest difference for me is I believe Brady Cleveland to be very raw. Brady Cleveland uh, has more difficulty uh, than Andrew Gibson at both his retrieval rates and exit passing. However, they both struggled to a degree in that front that if they can clean up, clean up their exits and, and, uh, and find another level to their retrievals and how they operate, and if they can think a bit quicker under pressure in the coming years, that's, that will be what they need in order to actually end up in the NHL in the bottom pair. Well, in terms of Brady Cleveland, he's going to Wisconsin next year, so he's going to get should get three years there. Comes to the American Hockey League, probably two years there. There's draft plus five, you know, from that standpoint. Then he's a 23 year old. Then he has a like he he has four to five years to clean up all those things and work on those things that you had mentioned, you know, um, you know, and that's the difference. But you know, I think an advantage he has over Andrew Gibson playing in the Sioux is that as a 20 year old, he's coming out he's coming out and he's going to have to play right as a 20 in the American league, which is, is not as great as an advantage from that standpoint. So uh, very curious to watch both these guys play. And I'm sure there were some people out there that ragged on those picks, but I didn't have a problem with it because it was more calculated than anything based on what they have in their system. Uh, Brad and I are going to take a short break. We come back. We'll talk about the Tampa lightning prospects in their draft right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown, on their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skilled development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. 
Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at FractalHockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hockey Prospect Radio and our 2023 NHL draft review of the Atlantic Division, powered by Outside Edge Hockey Player Development for on and off ice training featuring KPI-based conditioning programs at OutsideEdge.ca. We're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning draft at in the second round, 37th overall. This is where they took Ethan Goche. Both you and I have talked about Ethan quite a bit, and he's kind of a prototypical third-line winger in the NHL. I don't, I didn't expect him to be any more or really anything less, and he may be one of a small handful of players out of the queue that of this year's draft that actually play in the NHL because I think he has enough overarching skill set. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife in that respect, and I think he could play as a third liner in the NHL. If things don't work his way, he's a fourth liner, but I think, you know, I think he plays overall. I think he's a NHL player. Yeah. The rule of thumb is if you don't have a lot of picks and your first picks in the second round, you, you got to find one of the highest four players 100%. in that second round. And, and that's, that's exactly uh, uh, what he looks like. Right. Um, so um, when you're evaluating his game, uh, a couple things stand out. Uh, heart and soul player, extremely competitive, high character, reliable, yeah. right? consistent, reliable within what he is, works within the framework of what he is. Um, you know, is is one of those players. Again, this is uh, not my actual breakdown. I always tell you when it's my player relative to somebody else's. Uh, I don't scout the Q personally unless I'm brought in. So this is Jerome Baruby, uh, a scouting colleague of mine who who uh, knows the Q like the back of his hand. And so uh, what he basically said is. This is a player who's excellent net front. He can create havoc net front. He reads the game extremely well net front. There's a bit of Holmstrom in him. You know, there's a bit of an old school yeah. Detroit reference there. A bit of Holmstrom where he's the guy net front who's going to be able to track rebounds, plays well in the dirty areas. Uh, you, you wish he was a bit bigger with the type of skill set he, he, he has. And uh, I know one thing that NHL scored uh, scouts mentioned in the Black Book when I was looking at the quotes uh, about him is that um, – they wish he was more, more fast, uh, a quicker player. He's, he's not an explosive skater. He's not a bad skater by any stretch of the imagination. You just with, wish with what he is as a role player. Just and be a little more pop in that stride. Yeah, if he had a bit more pop in his stride, that could go a long way. You know, you look at the NHL now and you look at what really translates within a depth role. You're usually looking at those mutant kind of players or 6'3", 6'4", or skate really well or super heavy built. 
and and that's not really what he falls into. He's more of a cerebral, calculated, well-rounded player that you but might. But he's scrappy. Swiss Army. You know, he's a scrappy player. He he's he'll stand up for his teammates. He'll get into scrums after whistles. He doesn't back down. He brings energy. He's committed. So the you know he's that he's a, he's he's that. a typical role player for the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you look he's at exactly the past that. five years, he's right? Exactly he fits that. that mold perfectly, which is why I'm not surprised they took him there. Mm-hmm. From that yeah, perspective. Yeah, and it's that's just the heart. Like when I was going down the stretch, and I was going to like go to games. I'm like, he was one of the only guys I was like that I targeted on purpose just to go see games because he was the one player that was worthwhile. Like, yes, I think he's going to play more than 200 games in the NHL, and yes, I think he's going to be a third liner. And now I'm searching for is there more? Like, what does he need to do to be to push him elevate himself? I just don't know if he has the processing ability or the puck skills, or even maybe the skating ability. Maybe the skating ability gets there to play in a top two line. Could he be the, you know, the like kind of like the grinder on a second line, that F6? Maybe, but I think he just fills it fills into that role as, you know, that F, more of like an F8 on a team, right? So you have the centerman as the F7, he's the F8, and, you know, can provide supplementary offense and just be a total pain in the ass to play against and potentially kill penalties for you. Right, because he's just—I think he's detail-oriented enough to play on penalty kill. When we're like you and I watch five-on-five play, and we really determine which guys, you know, based on their five-on-five play, can are going to be able to translate that to into the penalty killing role at the NHL level. We should also talk about—I uh, know you want to have a quick chat about um, Jason Chagabay. So, centerman—he's a small on the smaller size, five-nine, about 170 pounds. Um, he is right-handed shot. He's going to go to Minnesota Duluth. He split his time last year. He was high school and then the USHL with a Green Bay Gambler. So let's talk about a little about him as well. One of my scouting colleagues uh, pounded the table for from actually Mike, Michael Farkas. Uh, really liked his game. Um, so this is a dynamic forward. Very good hands. Sees the ice really well. He's a primary playmaker. Uh, didn't put up good good uh, point totals in terms of goal scoring rates that you typically want to see at the USHL level. But it was also his first time getting an opportunity to play at that level. So you, you got to give exactly yeah. you got to give the kid an opportunity to adapt and find his game there, um, which I'm sure next season will, will, will give a much better indication of really his scoring upside. Um, the the big thing with him is that uh, he's very finesse oriented. He has yet to develop that ancillary secondary hard skill element. If he can develop a bit of that to go with his handling, that can really help offset one of his weaknesses, which is his skating. Not a great skater, uh, which is very interesting to me because we've been talking about strategy, talking about being able to predict how some teams operate. Tampa Bay absolutely has no problem taking players that need a lot of fundamental work within their skating base. We, we've seen it every year. Every year we go back to that with Tampa. They they have no problem taking work in progress skaters. I believe that's where Chicago Bay is right now. So if he can, if they can improve his skating base and he can develop a secondary skill set, well, there's a whole lot of offensive creativity and dynamism within his game that could project him into a top nine role at the NHL level. Yeah, the concern I have is that he's scheduled to go to Minnesota Duluth next year. Now they have a great program, fantastic coaching understand how to develop players. I would have just rather him seen him play another year in the USHL before going into that conference, because that's arguably the toughest conference to play in because it's got a lot of big bodies. He's actually going to be forced to adapt. If he's going to play college hockey this fall, he's going to have to adapt quickly because that's big boy hockey. 
in that in that conference. So I'm really curious to see how he handles that um, and what the development curve is going to be like. But he's going to be a three year player, so that's fine. He's going to have three years to like spend and get better. And as you said, develop some of those hard skills that he's going to have to because he's not the biggest guy. Uh, let's talk about as well. Uh, you want to chat about Warren Clark? So, and we've talked a lot about Junior A in this in this program so far. And he comes out of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League out of Steinbach, and he's going to St. Cloud State next year. But he's a six foot three right-handed shot defenseman that's almost two hundred pounds already. So let's uh, get a little overview of him as well. I didn't know this player until Tampa drafted him. So I was immediately intrigued. Um, so it, what's interesting, it goes back to what we talked about with Ottawa, right? Where you're talking about that back half of the draft, time to try to extract talent in uh, in those secondary leagues. And so, um, you know, it's, it, he's, he's a really interesting prospect. He reminds me a ton of a player that we honestly probably should have talked about, and oh, I just totally forgot to mention him, uh, which is Nikita Shimnikov out of Colorado system. I believe they took him in the fifth round, maybe right. earlier than that. But Shimnikov... Uh, is a pretty interesting, larger defenseman with a whole lot of talent, but he's very raw. And that's exactly the case here. So, so what you're seeing in this defender is a big frame, big body, very good hands relative to his size, and projects to maybe even be able to quarterback a power play if things go, go well. Uh, but like Ashimnikov, uh, really needs to work on his skating base. This, this, this is a kid who, who has a very, again, goes back to what we talked about with Tampa. They have zero problems trying to mechanically correct the base. Uh, in, in the case of Clark, it's one of those situations where uh, he has a very short stride. Uh, has a lot of difficulty getting off the center line. He can't exaggerate, exaggerate his postures out of turns. And his linear crossovers are, are very inefficient. So if he, can, if he can widen his stance, if he can elongate his stride over time, and I'm sure he can to some degree, then you really get that foundation built where you might have a very interesting and unique offensive defenseman. He's one of those home run, boomer bust selections, and that's what you love to see in the draft, and, and it really does fall into the exact category of what Tampa looks for, where they look for talented players. Uh, Nico Hutanen is another example. that's drafted in the seventh round. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, had a great year in Liga this past season. He was always very gifted, one of the better shooters in the class, but he was also one of the worst skaters in the class. Now they're bringing in two two players here that we just mentioned that really need skating help. So it's, it's just very interesting to see how some of these teams uh, try to uh, operate within their strengths, knowing they have they, they really believe and trust their skating uh, development system. Hunter, I'm glad you brought that up because it's really about understanding your development system and who's there and what their strengths are. And they have proof of concept. So if you look at past players and they were able to get them to a reasonable level or a level that they were comfortable with, that they could be effective at a pro level, whether it be in the American League or at the NHL, that says something about that development staff, which allows your amateur staff to go, okay, we, yes, we want skating at a certain level, but if that is a bit of a weakness, we have people that can take care of that. And that's where you integrate them into the process of going, okay, look at this film, what do you think? Right. And they'll give you a fair assessment of, yeah, we can do this, this and this, you know, based on hopefully that the player you know, buys in and then we can get them to this level. And if they're comfortable with that, then that's why they take those players. Uh, Brad and I are going to take a short break on our final segment of the Atlantic Division NHL draft preview. We'll talk about the Florida Panthers right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, 
a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio in our 2023 NHL Draft Review for the Atlantic Division. Powered by Outside Edge Hockey, player development for on and off ice training featuring KPI based conditioning programs at OutsideEdge.ca. Let's talk about the Florida Panthers draft um, right off the hop. Let's talk about Grayson Sachin. Uh, 30, uh, he was 63 overall, second round. Uh, I think I had him in the late 30s. I can't remember where you had him, probably in a similar area. So I was a little bit surprised he dropped this far, but I thought he would be a potential useful player on a third line. That's where I thought that's where his ceiling was. If he was going to play, he was going to play there because there's some things I liked about his game. Certainly he's going to have to get bigger and stronger. You know, 5'11", 165 isn't going to cut it, but I thought overall his game, there were some things to like about his game. And I thought there were some things that you could project into an NHL lineup. Yeah, he's extremely competitive. So that's the the foundation with, uh, this is just for our younger audience who are interested in scouting or learning. So one thing we do as scouts is you have to have uh, a, a base with smaller players. And that base is evolved around their compete and their skating. And if they fall under a th- certain threshold with either one or both, you just put a big X through their name and you move on. Okay. So what Grayson Sawchan has is a tremendous motor and compete level. He's a very tenacious kid relative to his size, and he needs it because his skating base is inefficient. Not a great skater at this stage of his development. What's fascinating about this player 
one of the more interesting aspects of this player is that when you look at his handling, one of the most dynamic puck handlers in the draft, but he does it without a lot of posture within his skating. That's incredibly rare. Usually, almost every really impressive handler at the NHL level is extremely reliant on their posture in order to be able to manipulate and use their handling in small spaces correctly. He doesn't do that. He's, he's, and it shows a lot of his handling plays, when you look at the end phase of his handling, he ends up in bizarre and obscure spots. Like he, he'll be twisted around, contorted on one knee, bouncing around, yet he still makes it work for himself because he's so good at keeping the puck on a string. Right? It's just, it's just uh, remarkable how efficient he is, regardless of the fact that he's an inefficient skater. So when you look at him from a long-term development perspective, if he can correct his posture, and as you mentioned, fill out his frame in a big way, then he has the talent level that theoretically actually supersedes the top of my role. He might be a top six forward. It's just the reason he went where he did is because there's a whole lot of variables that you have to take into consideration when you look at his long-term development. I agree 100%, and that's why <clears throat> I saw some things. Well, the compete thing really stood out to me. I'm like, okay, he's got the work rate and the work ethic to get better. He's going to want to get better. So when he's emboldened with a team, now he's with Florida, you know, he's going to be a sponge and he's going to want to get better. And, you know, they got two more years in like, cause remember last year was only his first year in the dub. Right. So that's, that's, we have to take that in consideration as well. So, you know, he's going to get a couple more years in the dub. So he's going to get three years and then he's going to the American league. It's unfortunately, you know, <clears throat> he, you know, he played obviously for um, us national development team, um, which is, good it which obviously is great but you know if there's an adapt you know, he has to adapt to the western hockey league as well and that's a that's a whole nother matter so i give him credit for you know what he did and how competitive he was in that league we should also talk about their fourth round pick 127th overall and, and albert wickman thoughts on him as an overall player and choosing him in the fourth round because that's like we talk about it that we're like a broken record if you're going to pick in the fourth to seventh rounds take the kids that are going to college or take the Europeans. Yeah. Albert Wickman. Um, the, the hallmark of Wickman's game is that he's an intelligent defenseman. That's the, really the foundation is that he's very poised. He's calculated. He reads uh, pressure very well. So he can read the four check and that gives him theoretically the foundation that you look for when it comes to his breakouts, his stretch playmaking, his ability to move the puck. Uh, what is fascinating to me about this player is that, he has the first attribute need, which is the hockey sense to do it. The second component is still very much in his in its infancy, and that's within his playmaking ability. He is he is not a gifted playmaker at this time. Uh, in my personal viewings, uh, his just basic passing rates were some of the worst out of the defensemen I monitored. Uh, that left him on the outside looking into our rankings. Um, I'm sure Florida watched him, honestly, a lot more than me. Uh, maybe Florida's a different comfort level with his playmaking. Maybe I got the wrong games. You never know. It can happen. That happens a lot. Right? It, it, it does happen. Sometimes in a draft, it's not. You watch 18 to 25 games of a kid, you get the wrong 18 to 25 games, they look completely different in the next 18 to 25. And we, did, we just discussed Grayson Sachin. Grayson Sachin had 21 points in his first 17 games. He ended up with what yeah. point per game rates throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. So it fell off dramatically. Right. So you're looking at a different player, different, different player entirely. If you'd watch him in October and November, and then you end up watching him uh, 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 in the back half of the season. So it's one of those situations where uh, it's with, with Wakeman in my personal sample, I couldn't get there, but I see that he's an intelligent player and the foundation is there 
for him to be an interesting and versatile puck mover. So uh, interesting pick by Florida. He's one I'm, I certainly want to monitor long term in case I am wrong in my assessment on that. And uh, I've liked a lot of what Florida's done within the draft over the last couple of years. And they bring brought in a lot of very useful versatile defensemen. So maybe he fits that. Let's talk about Olaf Guff, uh, Glifford as well as a goaltender, six four, almost two hundred pounds. Chat about him. We got a couple minutes left in the show. I'm, I'm intrigued. Anytime goaltenders go late, um, I got to ask you because that's not my bread and butter. Mm. So he he's with uh, um, the the Kazakhstan goalie for me. Where uh, I really wish, I, in hindsight, I really wish I just wrote them and ranked them this year. You know, right. I thought I had the hidden factor there with Nikitin. Uh, apparently, that wasn't the case. Nope. And then with Clifford, uh, it was one of those situations where. Uh, I have a lot of responsibilities with this black book. There's so much I could do. He was next up essentially uh, in terms of writing. That says that said I do know him. Um, Olaf Clifford comes from the J18 system. Uh, the last player I had ranked out of the J18 system was Eric Portillo. Uh, so Clifford would have been the next one. Uh, when you look at Clifford, uh, he actually does fit some of what Nikitin has, which is six four. Very, very good athlete in some ways relative to his size. Nikitin better extension rates, uh, but Clifford uh, just as reflexive. Yeah, about as reflexive as Nikitin. So when you look at um, uh, where he is in J18, he was dominant, which is what you want. When he was called up through HV system at J20 level, he performed very well. Uh, there is some rigidity there in terms of how he uh, transfers between his save types. And sometimes he's, he, when he, especially in tight to the net, uh, his kicking extension ability uh, dies down, uh, which is strange because other times he can fully extend and he does what he needs to do. But then in tighter than the net, he seems to be uh, too reliant on just his frame and not extending outward at the rates needed. So there's some improvement to be needed there. In terms of how he integrates with his post and his office post, tons of improvement work needs to be there, but that's that's developmental. That can be fixed. Um, in terms of the fluidity, I'm banking on the fact that the Luongo and staff thinks that he's just in his infancy in terms of his physical uh, nature, right? He's just one of those kids who's not fully grown into his body. He's not as coordinated as he will be. When he gets there, then he's a pretty interesting looking prospect. He's one, admittedly, uh, I wish I had ranked right at the end of my list, but I ran out of time. Well, that sometimes happens in that respect. And, you know, you look at a goaltender like that, and that's draft plus five. When he's 23, you have a better idea what you got, but you really have five years to build him up. And then, okay, is he somebody that is worthwhile keeping in our organization, or do we let him go and we focus on somebody else in that respect? So intriguing draft once again for the Florida Panthers. Always like to keep monitoring them, and I know we'll have chats with them at the beginning of next season as we uh, start season 19 of the show. Uh, but for as well, this is our final uh, 2023 NHL draft review at the Atlantic division um, ends it up for us. So, uh, but we'll have some more shows in the summer as well. It's been another episode of hockey prospect radio on Sirius XM NHL network radio powered by Instat hockey, junior prospect hockey league, fractal hockey consulting and outside edge player development. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast network or on the Sirius XM app or follow us on YouTube as well as on Twitter at HP Radio and HockeyProspectRadio.com. Uh, thank you to Brad once again for uh, a great season. I'm Shane Malloy, and we will see you at the rink.